Welcome to the Jamoti Podcast. We are all surrounded by amazing coaches and leaders. So let's get an inside look at not just what they do, but how they do what they do. After all, becoming the best versions of ourselves is Jamoti, just a matter of doing it. The Jamoti Podcast is powered by Sideline Interactive. Sideline Interactive is the leading manufacturer for high-quality, innovative scoring tables and LED video display boards that help coaches and schools bring more excitement to fans, create huge fundraising opportunities, and make their jobs easier. Visit sidelineinteractive.com to check out their amazing products. Yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, one of the questions that you sent me on on the list was how do you handle defeat? Um, You know, when I was thinking about that, You know, I think it's very, very important for us to lead by example. And if you make rash decisions after a defeat, if you come in the locker room and say a bunch of things that you regret the next day, um, or or if you start making a bunch of decisions um, in the heat of the moment, um, you know, we're not, if I was doing that as a coach, I'm not giving my team the example of which I want them to play like. Uh, you know, you you have to be able to play through mistakes if you want to be a championship level team. Um, and you have to be even keel like you referenced. You know, what, one of the big things that to me um, stood out from the uh, big run that Tech made to the uh, national championship game several years ago was Chris, Chris Beard used the term stone face. Um, and, and, you know, basically referencing no matter if we're doing great or things aren't going our way, you know, we need to stay even keel. We need to have that look on our face like we're just going to the next play. We're just here to take care of business. And, and I think that really hit home with me in, in how we want our teams to play. Um, because if you get too high when you're doing well or you get too low when you're not doing as well, it's difficult for you to make the next play at the level that you want to make it at. And, and so that's one of the things that we've really tried to implement over the years. And I think that's important for me to lead by example on that. Um, don't get too outrageously high when things are going good. And, and absolutely when we're not doing well, that's when they need you the most. And, and so just staying even keel and staying stone faced in those situations and after a tough loss or after a tough injury to one of your best players or whatever negative example you want to put in there, your team's going to feed off of that. And ultimate, ultimately, your program's going to feed off that for, for years to come. And I think, too, the consistency from how you are in practice to how you are in games is really important with that. Because if you're not stone-faced in practice, if you're losing your cool on every mistake or every every uh, mishap that happens, but then in a game you're trying to or asking your players to, or you allow them to have negative emotions in practice, I would imagine that leads to inconsistency with that when you play, correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that's dead on. You know, one of the biggest things that we talk to our seventh graders about when they come into our program is body language is the most important thing. We talked to mm-hmm. them about that on day one. Um, you know, the second thing that we talked to them about is you're, n- you're not going to talk to an official. You're not going to bad body language official. You're not going to eye roll an official. You're not going to look in the stands at your mom and dad during the game. You know, all these things lead to the way that we want to play as a program and and what we want to be about as a program. And and it goes all the way into how do you react to a mistake? Because basketball is such an imperfect game. You know, the best players in the world make 50% of their shots. 
And so, you know, we, we're always talking to them about there are going to be negative things that happen and how we want them to handle those things. Um, and, and I feel like, especially this day and age in the social media age, if you don't get out front of those things early when you get them in your program, then you're going to be playing behind an eight ball the entire time that those kids are in your program. And so we try to set that standard and that expectation from day one. This is how your body language is going to be. This is how we're going to react to mistakes. And then as the head coach, it's important that you lead by example and make sure that you're showing them the way in those things that you expect them to do. Yeah. Some people might have have had parents that it was the idea of do as I say, not as I do. And we definitely I know I had coaches like that over the years. And that's really hard for players to follow that level, of, that level of hypocrisy from what you're telling us to do to what we see you doing. And when you said to your the seventh graders about handling officials well and responding to them well, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing there's a lot of coaches on there that really kind of put their heads down because if we're trying to be that example, think back to those moments in games where we're not mirroring that at all. We're losing our cool, but yet we're expecting these 17-year-olds, six, you know, teenagers to do better than us. So I don't know. Do you have any advice on trying to be better with officials so that our players know exactly what it should look like? Yeah, you know, I think we all struggle with this because the the calls that are being made during the middle of the game are directly, a lot of times, if it's a close game, have a direct impact on the end result of the game. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think the biggest thing that that I've done over the years is I have conversations with myself before big games on how I'm going to handle those negative situations. You know, you you have that internal um, voice in your head that is saying, okay, when this call goes against us, not only is your team going to be watching you, but everybody in the stands is going to be watching you. You know, the whole home crowd, if it's a big game, we're fortunate where, you know, we play in the playoffs, we have a big following. And, and the crowd is also going to see the way that you're reacting yeah. as a coach. Obviously, the most important part is your players, but but also the players' parents are sitting in the stands. Also, the whole community is sitting in the stands. And to me, the, the thing that we've had the most success with is if you want to play through mistakes, playing through mistakes is also not only your mistakes, but also the mistakes of the officials. Hmm. And if, if our expectation is to be stone-faced when we play through our own mistakes, we also, we also have to be stone-faced when we to play through officials' mistakes. And no matter what, at the end of the day, like I referenced while ago, if the referee blows 18 calls or if the referee blows two calls, it's all about figuring out a way to win the game. And it doesn't matter. Sometimes they're going to be better than others. Um, but just being able to be even killed through those moments, way easier said than done. Yeah. I have conversations with myself before the game on how specifically I'm going to handle those situations, not only what I verbalized, but also what my body language says. Man, I appreciate you sharing that. Like, I think that's powerful to think about and a great reminder for coaches, not only with officials, but also with our players. The 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 reactions that we have, we want them to play uh, with a next play mentality, have that selective amnesia. Like at, at our school, it's it's shoot to get hot, shoot to stay hot, which means I need my guys moving past 0 for 1, 0 for 2, 0 for 3, continuing to shoot the right ones. 
But then I've got to be careful and I've caught myself on film and coaches, maybe a, a great exercise is pick a random game from last year, go on and not watch this, but watch what you're doing on that sideline with your body language. And coach, they, they would shoot a great shot and miss it. I would go sit down on misses. And it was almost like I could, I could right on the money, see it. I didn't even realize I was doing that, but I was showing a negative reaction to our guys taking the right shot, doing exactly what I'm asking to do, but they just miss it. What I should have been doing is uh, standing up, clapping, telling them that's the right one, next one, you know, hyping them up, encouraging them instead of going and sitting down. Like, what does that even show? It's exactly opposite of what I'm telling them. So you're right on the money, coach. That body language uh, is huge. Yeah, absolutely. And and what you just referenced is exactly what I did. I actually ran into it on accident. I was watching our team on film after the year and I started kind of noticing me and my body language. And I'm like, that's not the representation that I need to be giving. And and so that was part of my development as a coach. And none of us are perfect. I'm not going to sit here and say that there's still not moments um, that, that I say something to a referee or that I have bad body language that, that um, I regret later. And, and hey, every now and then, you do need to say something to the officials. You you do need to bark at them a little bit just, just to make sure that they know you're there. You but know? planned and, out, like you said, strategic, not just losing absolutely. your cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Thank you for checking out today's episode. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, share it with your fellow coaches, and find us on social media for what's coming up next on the Jamoti Podcast. It's just a matter of doing it.